Welcome to another episode of Streamed and Screened, the podcast about movies and TV and other online entertainment delicacies from Lee Entertainment, hosted by myself, Chris Lay, as well as Bruce Miller, who is on the line from sunny California right now. Hello, Bruce. It's not all that sunny. It's been rainy and rainy and rainy, and now they talk about grounding planes. Everything is like, what is this? So I'm here. I made it, but I watched the Golden Globes from my room, just like most people do. I was going to say, are you getting some of that weather from Santa Monica that had Kevin Costner? Yeah, it's, oh, it's <laughs> like sheltering in place. Wave. when you're driving through it, the waves kind of reach up and, and it's like you're surfing is what it's like. I know the entire city out there kind of shuts down whenever it rains. Yeah, it's a, it's, and there are places that have like big old um, sinkholes and you got to watch out for that and ugh. It's not like home where we just worry about too much snow. You know, it's a lot It's a lot different. But I did watch the Golden Globes last night. So what did we think? I mean, we can start with, I guess, just the, the general vibe. I think there were a lot of people who were worried to be seen there. They were afraid that, you know, I don't know, would I be, would somebody think differently of me because I'm supporting a group that last year we thought was not good? They looked uh, very kind of timid, but I also noticed there were people who had to be there. So if you were like on an NBC show, more than likely you were going to be sitting there. And if you were in a Universal, which is part of that NBC family uh, product, you were there. Why is Brad Pitt sitting there? Because he's in a Universal film. So there you go. I was really shocked that Gerard Carmichael said some of the things he did. I mean, it was good to address the elephant in the room. That was fine. But then when he goes after... Um, uh, Scientology? Scientology was one of them. And um, and then when Eddie Murphy took out after Jada Pinkett, um, I thought, oh, wow, this is, this is kind of unraveling here. And what I found really surprising is that Gerard had never seen people who wouldn't shut up. You know, he's trying to, like, People, people settle now. We've got to be quiet. It's like, well, no, I, that's how they are. You just have to keep go ahead, going ahead and doing what you do. And eventually they'll listen to you. But I don't think that he was a good host for that show. They should have tried a little harder. And I bet you any money, uh, Ricky Gervais would have come back. And boy, they could have really let it fly there. The, I mean, Gerard Carmichael, I thought was a great choice because he is, I mean, he's more than an up and coming comedian at this point, but, you know, obviously, and he, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, making this up by myself. I mean, he addressed pretty early on. I mean, if not in the first, I guess, joke or, you know, collection of things from that monologue, you know, that he was, <laughs> he was brought on because he's black. And um, I, the, the Will Smith stuff, I think, I I felt like it almost did more to help Will Smith in the sense of we can joke about it now. It was something that, you know, it it was ridiculous in in the context of everything. And obviously it was, you know, a, a terrible, you know, thing to do and assault and I mean all of that. But at this point, it's it's almost a punchline in and of itself. And uh, you know, what's the, uh, what comedy is tragedy plus time. So you know. <laughs> with that though, it's not their show. 
And I would stay away from doing any kind of jokes about the Oscars because that just makes you seem like second class. They've always so, been second class. It's the, it's the golden well, globes. Have. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the, uh, the truth. But I wouldn't do it. And there are, you know, they never talked about the year in movies and easily they could have. So Jimmy Kimmel has pretty fair hunting season um, on some of this stuff. And, you know, nothing about if they're going to go there. Harvey Weinstein with the um, She Said, Women Talking, a lot of those Me Too kind of films that they could have gotten into, but didn't. But I think they were just grateful that they had a big star sitting in the front row. That big star, of course, was Brad Pitt, who was Brad, addressed. Yeah. And by Margot name. Robbie was there, too, right with sure. him. So yeah. you see, it's like we're trying to get some traction for Babylon. Please help us here. We hope that Babylon will make the top 10. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, well, well, I mean, I, I think it, it, it Babylon could get nominated for best. Oh, picture. yeah. It could be nominated. And I don't think any of the people unless. No, they couldn't. I was going to say Jean Smart, but no, she's not getting nominated. Um, there are too many in that category and hers doesn't stand out that much in that context. And Brad Pitt doesn't stand out that much either. He wouldn't win Margot Robbie. No. So they aren't going to get an acting nomination for that. The only one that I could see is actor for Diego Calva. But again, the, the category has too many in there that could easily bump them out. Oh, I agree. So it's not like we're going to be oh, let's be grateful to these people and give them one. He's not going to get it. Um, I think so he, he, has the, he has the best shot out of all of them. But of yes, the, yes of all the people, except I don't, the category is too, too stiff. Yep. And I think if, if he had won, if he'd won a Golden Globe for actor, uh, and he was the only one that I thought could maybe give Colin Farrell a, a run for his money from that list. I mean, when you've got Ray Fines from the you menu, know, you know, in, in, in your, your top five. Uh, what so. this does is give people a bigger push. That's the value of the Golden Globes because there's so many names out there and then you have to winnow them down. And so, you know, Colin Farrell is going to be nominated and you know that Austin Butler is going to be nominated because they won. And that says, OK, we've got to look at these people a little closer. Um, same way with Michelle Yeoh and um, with uh, KQ Kwan. No, the woman. Best dramatic actor. Oh, Kate Blanchett, who didn't show. Um, they're going to definitely be in there. So we've got that. Um, and for Kay, he will definitely be on the list and um, could likely win. If he starts playing this one the right way, he's going to be a winner at the Screen Actors Guild. And his speech was good, but I think he told too much in the first speech. I think he gave the speech that if you won the Oscar, this is a speech you'd give. I think that's... That was perfect for him because the you know supporting actor Oscar is a real crapshoot, especially when you have someone like Brendan Gleason, you know, nipping at your heels with I mean, when you're talking about, you know, the like these awards, you know, the, the Golden Globe specifically, like this is the first real establishing a narrative. And the momentum that you get behind that. And so the narrative that we've got is that it's going to be the Fablemans, everything, everywhere, all at once, and Banshees and Inishirin, all pretty much neck and neck for best picture. And it could really go, you know, I mean, depending on Banshees and Inishirin, which, you know, won best screenplay, it won um, best uh, best actor in 
uh, musical or comedy for Colin Farrell. It did musical or comedy best picture. At, I mean, it's there's a lot of momentum behind that right now. And it seems like, I mean, we still have a couple of months, you know, until, you know, th this whole thing shakes out. Uh, but I think Brendan Gleeson is going to be the one to give K.H. Juan a, a real push. So the problem with that is that he has two people from the same movie that never bodes well. You really have to jump out ahead. And I don't know what he has to do to get there, you know? Yeah, but I think Barry Keehan isn't isn't nearly as like that's going to be a lot less vote splitty than than that. Then then I think that you're making out. But it, that is you know, just by the numbers, something to certainly take into into consideration. But between Brendan Gleeson and Barry Keehan, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, that's that's not even, as much as I love Barry Keehan and as great as he was in that film and as much as Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell are kind of co-lead actors in that movie, um, which is maybe another, you know, shot in, uh, you know, another nail or uh Another point against Brennan Gleason, but I think the the Banshees will win for sure screenplay, and then it's just how they want to roll the dice. If they do a lot with this kid from Elvis, he has a shot because we've seen a lot of those. Let's play somebody famous and see what we do. And when you saw Priscilla Presley sitting there and looking kind of, oh, we've anointed you. Um, and the kid kind of sounding like Elvis when he accepted the award. There's a shot there for him. Um, I do think that Brennan Frazier will not win. I kind of think that it just isn't going to happen for him because there's just not, the movie was panned by a lot of people. And the idea that one performance can save a whole film, a little hard pill to swallow. You've got Colin Farrell though, who's been in four films in one year that really spread the wealth. There was a lot of variety there in what he did. He had a lot of friends in Hollywood. If he's doing something for a different studio with each one of them, that makes him a nice choice for everybody. So I think he could win and screen, screenplay could win for uh, the Banshees. But then I don't, I don't think it's going to win Best Picture because it's too small. And if you're going to go small, you're going with everything everywhere. So that's my my take on that. But I think the big the big kind of surprise of the night was Angela Bassett winning. And I think that was a real boost for her. I think it could really propel her to winning the Oscar because she got screwed years ago when she didn't get it for playing Tina Turner. And she's been a really strong trooper all these years. Now, I know that there's Viola Davis kind of pitching like crazy to win, but I... I really think that we need to have somebody like Angela Bassett in that mix. And I think she's a great choice. Jamie Lee Curtis is just, it's nice nod to the past. And that's a, a nomination for her would be a win. I mean, I will say, I mean, Viola Davis and Kate Blanchett are both going to get nominated for best actress. Actress, right. Angela Bassett, do you see her getting nominated for supporting actress in the Yeah, Oscars? she'll be supporting. But okay. I think there's a, there's a vibe there. They're not going to say, you know, because they'll look at Angela Bassett and they'll say, you know, here's somebody we haven't rewarded. Okay, let's let's think about that in rewarding somebody. You look at Viola Davis and you look at Kate Blanchett, they have one. 
So the idea that they're going to win in their category isn't as strong as Angela Bassett winning in her category. You see what I mean? I hope it doesn't make no sense at all, but it's it's that kind of you've gotten, so let's look at somebody else who hasn't got it's it's playing catch up. And I think that's where where um Michelle Yeoh is going to jump ahead in the best actress category because she's been one who's been batting it around just like Angela Bassett for a number of years. And now she finally gets a good part and she really knocks it out of the park with that. And yeah. I think I so I, I think that kind of concept of if you've already won, we're happy for you. We're going to get you in there. But I don't think we're going to just open the farm up and let the pigs out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like, I mean, Angela Bassett, I think, is on track to do really well with supporting actress and Viola Davis and Kate Blanchett are both, I think, kind of back and forth with yeah, best I, actress. And that's why I think Michelle Yeoh is going to jump ahead of them. I yeah. think she's going to surprise because look at the, if you look at the list of the ones that are, you know, considered, come on. Those are the top three. It's Kate Viola and Michelle. Yeah. All right. We've got two who've won. And really, are you ready to give Kate Blanchett her third Oscar? Not really, because she's got a lot of time. She's got to, she was brilliant in Tar. Brilliant. But I think they're going to look. And then, like I say, Viola is campaigning like crazy for this because she produced it and she did all these things with it. And she's been, this has been a lifelong dream to have this. But I think it blew up on some of those actresses who pushed too hard. And I do think that's that's one of the interesting things there. Michelle Williams is kind of out of the park. She's not even a consideration like she was before. They had her winning it all at the uh, at the start of the season. And now she wasn't even nominated for a Screen Actors Guild Award. So that says something there. So I think it really is. It's down to three people. And I think that Michelle Yeoh, who gave a beautiful speech um, last night, is probably the one that's going to win. Yeah. And I mean, The Fablemans in general is a, it's a tough movie to really start to to be eyeing, you know, actor and actress nominations for because it's, it's a real ensemble. I mean, it, it is, I mean, every, like even the, you know, Steven Spielberg, uh, you know, Avatar. <laughs> to, <laughs> and that was a real non-starter last night. You didn't see James, uh, he was there. James Cameron was yeah. there, but you didn't see this big kind of, thing about avatar it was a non-starter altogether i think that's the same way it's going to be with the oscars it's not going to be a threat to anything um I think I avatar think is going to end up being something where if they effects. do reward it it's oh yeah it's absolutely going to sweep that and i think you know depending on where the box office is at come you know march you know we'll we'll see how much in the running he is He's not going to win director. He's not going to win best picture, but he's definitely going to get nominated for both. And I think that that's going to determine, you know, with these subsequent sequels where they're going to maybe end up being, because it's got a lot of potential, you know, for him to, to dial in on everything that he wants to do in the next, you know, 10 years, <laughs> you know, and you could end up with a Lord of the Rings type thing where they, right. They'll give the last one something. Exactly. And they're, you know, judging it as a, a full franchise as opposed to just a one-off film. Yeah. It's uh look at Top Gun. Top Gun didn't really have a presence last night and 
you know, where is that? I, I, the curious one was, you know, this. who also didn't have a presence last night, Shelly Miscavige. So <laughs> now there you go. You went there. You went there. You know, when you look at best song and you have all these kind of marquee name writers in there and then they go with RRR as the best song winner. That was interesting. But it also uh, bears out the kind of voting track of the Golden Globes, which is if there's an international one in there, they're probably going to win. Yeah. So I I still think it's anybody's game in the best song category. And if you know that Lady Gaga is going to be singing there and Rihanna's going to sing there and Taylor Swift shows up, I mean, you know, no problem. I do like that they didn't actually play the songs. It wasn't like something in the Oscars where you end up having these huge, big, you know, stage productions that eat up so much time. And nothing against the songs, nothing against no. any of that. It's just a... How many have we had so far? That's what you think of. Was it yeah. three we've already listened to? We got two more left. We got a slog through. Yeah. But I liked the pianist last night. I thought that was a really cool thing. And when she was playing theme songs from things that you remember, but probably the audience didn't. You know, it was a Hill Street Blues theme. And I'm thinking, how many here know Hill Street Blues? So, yeah. And talk about a thankless job. Good Lord. Well, and where was she? Was she in some other room? And they just kind of superimposed that because there's no room in that place at all. When you can't even get uh, the Abbott Elementary people down from the balcony, you know, it takes five minutes just to move there. You should kind of preset things a little better. Mm -hmm. Just because you want the big names in the front doesn't mean that they need to be there or make a bigger aisle, you know, let them all come through. Obviously, we are pretty focused on movies right now with Oscar stuff and how this is going to affect those races. But the Golden Globes is still kind of the biggest thing or, you know, it's, it's about on par with the Emmys. I think as far as the actual value of the award and it definitely seems like some of the, the most clear cut big winners from this, from the, the Golden Globes last night. I mean, obviously you had Abbott Elementary just absolutely dominating and, you know, got more power to him. And the White Lotus did really well. And I loved Mike White telling an entire room full of industry people they you turned all it passed down. on this show. You all passed on it. <laughs> right. So, you know, God bless the White Lotus. And on that one, I think Jennifer Coolidge just, I mean, again, you know, let's let's have her run for president. Uh, <laughs> you know. Well, I love what she talked about. She would do, I do American pie. If they ask me for more of them, I do more. No problem. And yeah. it's true though. You know, the life of an actor is not guaranteed at all. And the idea that she can just afford to pay her, you know, medical bills or her insurance or her rent, whatever it might be, it came through. And now, yeah, now she's something and now she's probably making the big bucks, but it's nice to know that they acknowledge that past, you know, Austin Butler. I remember him when he was on, um, was it gossip girls? And he was just a young kid starting out. And you think, well, this kid's not going anywhere. He looks like Brad Pitt. And, um, now, you know, he's in a catbird seat and could have a real good chance of things. The one that I want to ask you about though, because I think you watched all of it. House of the dragons winning best drama. That's a bummer. I mean, I mean, not and not because House of the Dragon is bad. That is a show that is really well done, but specifically 
this first season is all about laying track all of the the time jumps and everything it's basically uh you know this this first season functions as more more like a preface it is my understanding having not read any of the books my understanding is that everything that comes forward is going to be all predicated on the scaffolding that's laid right now whereas you've got something like better call Saul which is is done and was incredibly deserving has not been recognized nearly as well for what it, it did over the years that it was in production. And, you know, you've got Kevin Costner for Yellowstone beating out Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul. Again, I mean, nothing against Kevin Costner, nothing against Yellowstone, but it's those were both just kind of, you know, shocks a little bit. Uh, that whole and, drama category, though, was one of the things where we saw in the past they'd appeal to brand new shows because they'd want them to show up and then they'd appeal to a big star because they thought that was a cool thing and if we got them to come it'd be another feather in our cap well it kind of backfired on them because kevin didn't show zendaya didn't show um house of dragons okay next next category what else we got here that we have to hand out so that was that was interesting um i thought that evan peters did a good job of talking about winning for dahmer because there's been a big kind of really, do we want to reward people with mini series about their lives when they're killers? And he did a great job playing the role. Um, never mind the guy that you're playing. You know, it's like when they, when Time Magazine names Man of the Year, and then or Person of the Year, and it happens to be the Ayatollah, and they go, Oh my God, no, we can't have this. And that's the same thing. It, you know, if he dominated the news for the year, maybe he is the man of the year. And it's the same way with this. I think that he should, if he did a great job performing, playing the role, then he should be rewarded for it. He did do a fantastic job. I think the the larger narrative, and I, I have a hard time. I, I didn't follow the the absolute TikTok back and forth. I haven't, you know, seen all of the legal documentation or whatever, but I remember when it started. The families of the victims, you know, came out and were pretty vocal about, you know, we weren't consulted and, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't want our story to be told this way. And, you know, on, on such a grand platform and have all of this trauma dredged back up. And my understanding is that Ryan Murphy did reach out to them and never heard back or I don't know what. And so that's kind of muddy. But I mean, it's a it's a weird thing. Like, is, is it his responsibility to mention the the victims families or the victims or to make some larger statement about the risks that marginalized aspects of society marginalized people have to deal with you know especially when you've got you know so much stuff with uh, i mean i mean right now it's a lot of you know trans rights and you you hear a lot about you know trans men and women leaving <laughs> Uh, or, you know, being, you know, having violence inflicted upon them. And I don't know. I mean, it seemed like, I mean, he, he basically, he got up there and he thanked everyone who was involved in the show, but didn't really acknowledge any kind of the reality that the character came from. And I don't, I don't necessarily know if that was right or wrong. It just kind of was. And I, yeah, maybe he was advised not to, you know, he might've thought of it, but maybe they said, let's not get into that because that'll just get the people upset again. Exactly. So yeah. again, it's playing a role and that 
it isn't in his realm to have to be everything to all people. Sure. He has one job to do. And if he does the job well, he should be rewarded for it. Just because Anthony Hopkins played a, a killer in Silence of the Lambs and he wasn't real doesn't mean that um, it wasn't hard work. You know, so it is what it is. But I I, I think it took some bravery because that'd be an easy one to say, we're not giving that. Let Don't please don't give dom or anything that'll just bring some attention to us but i think it was good for because he is a good little actor and i think he's done some great things and all even in those crappy american horror story things that he does he was good and so more power to him i'm glad that he had mayor of Easttown. i'm glad he won a lot of awards for that because that set the tone that he is an actor to reckon with not just somebody who plays supporting roles in ryan uh, murphy's projects so that's kind of where we're at. I don't know if you've got any any parting shots. No, I, I do think the Golden Globes are back. I do think that they'll still consider them because you can see where it's a scene setter for Hollywood. It helps kind of, if you will, set the table, even though there is no food on the table, but set the table for how to winnow this down. You know, in their all of their publications out here, they all kind of speculate, but they speculate according to who spends the most advertising. So it isn't really necessarily as clean as it should be. We have the Critics' Choice Awards coming this next week. That'll be another winnowing process. The Screen Actors Guild uh, Awards will be coming. So it it kind of narrows it down until we get to the biggie. And there we could see surprises. I mean, did you think CODA was going to win last year? I don't know that it was as cut and dried as, as it might seem. But um, I do think that as a make good, you loved West Side Story last year. I did. And I think, you know, because it's one of those stories of my life films, the Fablemans will win uh, Steven Spielberg another Oscar for directing. I don't know that it'll win Best Picture, but I think it will give him that shot. One more directing Oscar. I mean, the the competition for director is and this isn't a any kind of statement on on quality um, of, of directing, but it just seems a little thin as far as what the Academy is generally looking for, or, you know, the, the track record they have. And, you know, especially looking at the, the best director nominees from the Golden Globes. I mean, Steven Spielberg's gonna, gonna take it. He should have more than three Oscars, you know, for directing. I think he really, they really screwed up in the early days that they didn't give him things when he was really in his heyday, but it's a make good. It's about your life. Hey, Kenneth Branagh, here's an Oscar. And I think this is the Kenneth Branagh kind of Oscar that they're going to give him. But, you know, of the stuff that we saw last year, he was, I think, far more uh, creative with West Side Story than he is with Fablemans. But come on, if I was telling my story and I was able to make it interesting to other people, I might get an Oscar too. I guess the, the one fix that I would have from the Golden Globes to the Oscars is, and we talked about it when the Fablemans came out, but I want to see Judd Hirsch get a Best Supporting Actor nomination because he's in it for a couple scenes, but he just snatches that movie completely out from under everyone else. And obviously Judd Hirsch has not been recognized by the film industry in, in the ways that he should. Obviously, the television industry has looked out for him, but that is the true definition of a supporting actor where they just come in and go out too often now what they do is. Well, the same way we've got with uh, Banshees, where they're really two lead actors. 
they're not too an actor and a supporting actor, but they do that so that then they don't split the choices. Mm-hmm. And really, shouldn't Brendan Gleeson be in Best Actor? He really should be. But you're right with that. And I and then I think we're there. Barry would have been a really good choice for supporting actor. But that's how they that's how they roll. And uh, Screen Actors Guild didn't nominate Judd Hirsch there, but they did Paul Dano. And it's like, really, is this is this how you go? I don't know. And that's the thing. I mean, is is Paul Dano a supporting actor or is it kind of co-leads? And that's why that's one of the things that, that I do like about the Screen Actors Guild Awards is that you have the ensemble award. Yeah, and that's a way to give them all a prize. Here we go. This is good, kids. You're all going to, we're all winners here. Here's your trophy. But that works perfectly for a film like Fablemans, where everyone is kind of on the same level, up to a certain level right. on on the marquee. And, you know, I mean, that, that movie is as much about each individual parent as it is the, the Steven Spielberg character. Right. Um, and... Yeah. And I mean, it's also, I mean, Judd Hirsch is, I don't want to say the soul of the film, but it's not like he comes in and it's, it's all, you know, flash. I mean, the stuff that, that he gives to the movie and, and the, the elements that he drives conceptually in the film are absolutely necessary. So I, yeah, I, I would love to see it. I don't know if it's going to happen, uh, but I mean, he's, he's well, doing great. Good for him. He's like David Lynch in that film where they come in and kind of drop a gem on you. And it's like, all right, that that's what we need in this whole film. We don't you have so many kind of oddball characters floating around that are arguing with each other. Then you need the voice of reason or the voice of something coming in and saying, you know what, kid, here's what this is really all about. So we'll see what happens. It's it's an interesting kind of mix at this point, And it's just beginning. That's the the sad thing is that we're going to be chewing on this for a bit. So. In the show notes, I will have links to where you can stream all the movies that are out there to stream. So make sure that you check those out. Uh, and we will be back next week with more stuff. Bruce, you're in L.A. for a week. Yes, we're looking at new TV shows and we'll see what happens. In fact, today is, I think, an ABC day. We're going to do a bunch of new ABC shows. So we'll see. We're going to the set of um, another series. And yeah, so it's a lot of. It's a lot of breads and circuses. We're throwing it all out there and seeing what happens. Uh, just a piece of advice, though, to Quinta Brunson in the next time that she uh, goes to an award show, don't wear a big dress like that. You'll never get through that aisle with that thing trailing <laughs> on you. <clears throat> and then you got to pull it up at the end. No, 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 no. I do love the direct commentary that she made to Bob Odenkirk about. <laughs> it's your show. Exactly. Yes. Which is, I mean, one of the one of the great sketch comedy shows. Uh, if anybody has not seen Mr. Show with Bob and David, just absolutely legendary, legendary. Every single episode is a kind of perfectly crafted little jewel. Uh, and I believe those are all on HBO Max. Bob Odenkirk has a new series coming out, so we could see him back next year. What is it? Lucky? Lucky Hank. It's on AMC, and that'll be coming sometime this spring. Well, yeah. Well, I look forward to finding out what, interview that we're going to be having down the line from you because i know you're talking to a bunch of folks and you're gonna have i've got a lot of interviews lined up a lot of things yeah so there are things in the hopper uh yesterday i did talk to rj cutler who is the documentary filmmaker with a new thing called murph the surf about the jewel thief oh you'll you'll love it you'll love it um but he also is just working on the elton john 
um, documentary, you know, his last show in, in Los Angeles. And he talks about that. He talks about um, a number of the, of the documentaries he's made and oddly why he's in the business, why he decided to become a documentarian instead of just a director for feature films because he started in the theater. So it's a fascinating little discussion we have with him and that will be coming. Well, fantastic. Yeah, we don't have a date for that, but it'll be on an episode of Stream and Screen here. So make sure that you are subscribed. Like I said, we'll have a bunch of stuff in the show notes. Thank you so much to Bruce. Thank you so much to you, the listener. And thank you, Hollywood, for all of the celebrities that you've given us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris, you've gone too far. You've gone too far.